Hey there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. And now, we hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul. And I'm Dan. And today on Wandering DMs, uh, we're going to be talking about the open game license for Dungeons & Dragons, which is the license that's permitted third-party publishers to create works compatible with D&D for over 20 years, and how that original license and possibly all of those works may be in the crosshairs of Wizards of the Coast. All that and more today on Wandering DMs. Before we get into that, Dan, I want to remind our viewers that... Um... Uh, at the end of the show, uh, we will be uh, in our usual post post party chat, uh, which is uh, hosted on our private Discord and available to all patrons of uh, of our show. Uh, if you'd like to join in on that, you can uh, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wanderingdms and uh, join us and uh, come chat with us after the show. Definitely. I hope people do that. And a uh, big uh, happy new year uh, to everyone and happy uh, a new season to us, the Wandering DMs, as we're starting our fifth season here in 2023. And um, uh, last time, it's it's funny, last time we saw folks a couple weeks back before our holiday break, um, we thought things were going to be fairly sedate. We thought we we're going to kick back and just have the, uh, the, the, the culture of, of D&D not be too different when we came back. Um, and boy, I've been missing this show and I've been missing the intro, Paul. I've been just like, I, I love that intro so much. I, I, I haven't so seen much it you've got to see it twice, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness. That's exactly what I wanted today. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. Uh, uh, the gremlins got into the system this morning. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so a couple of things, you know, at the end of last year, we know that uh, Wizards of the Coast has a new version of Dungeons & Dragons uh, in the works. We've talked to a couple of people that are tangentially related to that, uh, to that project, actually. And we know that they are planning on publishing that in uh, the next year, 2024, which will be the 50th anniversary of original D&D published, uh, which is great. And, you know, a number of people have been worried. A number of commentators online in the last couple months have released videos like Wizards of the Coast is going to destroy Dungeons and Dragons, uh, you know, maybe with the virtual tabletop that was planned and people uh, maybe don't agree with subscription-based digital gaming and things like that. And I can respect both sides of mm -hmm. that. But I, I wouldn't have said that D&D um, uh, was going to be destroyed because of those add-ons. Um, I think here, January 23, we have a much larger issue all of a sudden. One thing we were hearing is that the executives of Wizards of the Coast have been saying that D&D is insufficiently monetized. I guess we've been hearing that for a while on like conference calls. And I think uh, now we have a slightly clearer view maybe of what they mean by D&D being insufficiently monetized is that they don't like um, third-party publications. 
And I think some people are looking at all of the third party uh, fan publications in the last 23 years and uh, wishing that they had a cut of that. And it looks uh, like with the, the leak of the new open game license that they expect to get a cut of um, everything. Hmm. You know, it feels it feels like uh, kind of the same old story, right? Uh, um, I, I Dan, I was telling you earlier that um, you know, I've been been really digging through uh, John Peterson's Game Wizards recently, and uh, you know, I remember the days when TSR was very aggressive about going after, um, you know, Judges Guild or or, or other third party folks um, or anybody that was maybe not Judges Guild specifically, but um, you know, other other people producing works that were tangential but referenced perhaps Dungeons and Dragons. I think I have like some Rolades books. You remember those books? Mm-hmm. Sure, you I know, have some. Which, yeah. which have a very interesting kind of language on them about, you know, they're clearly for D&D, but they don't want to say Dungeons and Dragons in the text anywhere. They're clearly walking a very, very fine line. Um, because I think TSR was very aggressive about defending its license back then. So, I don't know. Feels, feels like, so. uh, if anything, the outlier seems to me is the existence of the OGL in the first place. Where the hell did that come from? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> and I guess, you know, I should also preface that, you know, uh, Paul, neither myself or Paul is an attorney. And obviously these are legal legal uh, licensed documents that, uh, that we're thinking about today. Uh, many people in the last couple of days who actually are uh, lawyers and attorneys and play D&D have made great, great videos on YouTube. There's a number of them that, I, that I've watched. Uh, you should definitely go look at those commenters. Now, even those folks usually preface it with, I'm not your lawyer. This is not officially legal advice. I'm not an intellectual property lawyer. Um, and so Paul and I are even less qualified to talk about <laughs> legal issues. We're just, we're just people that can read English sentences. Um, but I will say that, uh, you know, Paul and I are, uh, you know, have been uh, software developers for our careers. And, you know, we have dealt with things like the general public license for open source software uh, on occasion. And clearly the, the GPL we know was absolutely the inspiration for writing um, the open game license. So maybe maybe we can possibly touch on some trends that have happened with the GPL over the years uh, to possibly get a sense of where where the open gaming license might might be going. And the other thing we know is that uh, Hasbro has brought on a number of ex Microsoft executives in the recent past to overhaul how how D and D business structure works. So those are all interesting trends, I think. So Dan, I I don't know how closely you've been following this. I know like it seems to be everywhere these days on on social media and and in news feeds and whatnot. But um, you know, what was the original? What was the the source? What is the original source? Where is all this speculation coming from? What, was a, a statement made by someone or? That's um, a good question. So we, we this so the <laughs> from from what I think what we understand is uh, around Christmas wizards started sending out this revised uh, the Open Game License 1.1 to major third-party publishers, uh, asking them to uh, sign it um, mm-hmm. uh, going forward. 
Um, and that got leaked to a journalist, and I fail to know her name. Maybe someone in the chat can tell us where this first got leaked. And at this point, a number of other, I believe, journalists have confirmed uh, that they all have seen the same document. And I believe a number of the large publishers, I could be wrong about this, a number of the large publishers have confirmed that they've seen this same document. Uh, uh, language to this supposed open game license 1.1, which is a radical huge change from what has been used for the last 23 years. Um, and so I don't think we have access to the entirety of this supposed OGL 1.1. Uh, the journalist that uh, got a copy has been very careful online to release short snippets, short key snippets in response to questions. Uh, Ash mm -hmm. on the, in the chat is reminding me right now, it's Linda Codega, a journalist at Gizmodo. And uh, thank you for that, Ash. And so Linda is being very careful. And my understanding is this is normal journalist practice to release kind of short snippets, not release the whole document. And she hasn't said where she got it from. But I believe a number of people have all confirmed that it's legit at this point. Gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. So at this point, it's, I'll say yeah. it's been covered, right? This, this issue has in just in the last couple of days has been covered by Gizmodo. It's been on MSN. It's been covered by Polygon and IGN. So, and, um, you know, I think I first noticed this, I think around Thursday when hashtag open D D was trending on Twitter and everyone was talking about this at this point, my understanding is, uh, the people that make the Delta green game have declared they're going to drop using the OGL going forward. Uh, Troll Lord Games on their website is currently liquidating all of their fifth edition stock and saying that they will not uh, publish for fifth edition D and D in the future. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting for fifth edition. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That that's I, I guess that strikes me as unusual just because um, I mean I thought that the the licensing for fifth edition material, my understanding of that was that it's that's not covered under the OGL and is actually something radically different. Um, is and maybe I'm, I'm just basing this on my own experience of publishing stuff on DMs Guild for fifth edition, um, and maybe a, a, doing a little bit of uh, conjecture here about why DMs Guild even exists. Right? I mean, it, it's it's the the theories I've heard are that there's not a lot of profit to be had in the little pamphlet-sized, small uh, printing, you know, uh, modules as we remember them. And so Wizards has been focusing on the big, full-color, heavy books, um, and then and then created DMs Guild as an outlet for third-party authors to create that smaller-form content for them and still get a piece, which they do, right? If you publish something on DMs Guild, um, Wizards, Wizards gets a, a piece of the action. Right. I So uh, among uh, folks in the chat right now, Kevin Thompson is reminding us that um, the fifth edition SARD uh, for fifth edition D&D is released under the OGL. Um, mm, okay. And uh, I think, I mean, right before the show started, I think, Paul, you were reading me the language from uh, the DMs Guild license that says uh, DMs Guild is separate and distinct from uh, the open game license, I think. Yep. And so uh, people have been publishing 
fifth edition compatible stuff under the OGL all along using those SRD oh, things. Okay. I think the the value add, and it's it's interesting because I suppose today we can look at DMs Guild is a step when a wizard's taking the first step in the direction of finding a way to get a cut of most third party stuff. I think the value right. add is that they they released extra you know in world characters places names uh, for people to use for the first time that they never could before. Um, and get it on on DMs Guild and get a cut of that. Of course, you can still publish on Drive Through RPG, which is the larger business. You can you can publish OGL stuff, not have the DMs Guild tag on it. You can you've you've been able to publish that on Drive Through RPG still all along, um, which 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 some of us have been doing while staying away from the DMs Guild branch. Yep, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, I guess to date, most of my use of the OGL has been, uh, for, for old school stuff, right? For stuff that's, that's right. maybe targeting a, a retro clone or, or just, you know, OS, old classic D and D right. <laughs> without, without getting into, into the detail. Um, certainly I would say, again, this is, this is just my own experience here, but like, uh, I, I wrote some content that I put up on on DMs Guild, and it was not using any of the specific um, settings that they grant you. And, and there's a list of, of setting material that uh, that you publish on DMs Guild gets you access to. Um, but um, I guess I wonder if I could have published it under OGL. But there's enough. I feel like there's enough like question mark there in my head of like maybe it would have been okay, but do I want to take that risk and Maybe it's easier to just put it up on DMs Guild anyway, because that's 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 the audience I was trying to target with that material. Um, it's interesting. I, I guess I'm just positing that like having two options. I feel like you're you're setting people up to also potentially choose the um, the the license where you where you you know have to pay wizards just out of you know, a conservative stance of like, I don't think I included any copyright material in my work, but gosh, you know, I don't want to accidentally get sued. So eh, just, just do it the easy way. Well, you know, to a, to a large degree, you know, that is the entire premise of the OGL itself. Um, mm. And I'll, I'll point out again, as a, as a complete, uh, you know, amateur observer of this, I will I will say um, you know when the OGL came out in 2000, 2000 I, I among other people were very excited about it uh, just like you said Paul up until that point uh, in the 90s um, uh, TSR was was among the most litigious companies towards its fan of all time and they went there what there was a time just a little bit before 2000 where they were saying no fans can publish anything online and specifically they were saying, any fan that publishes anything online, we TSR own it. Okay, surprise, yeah, surprise. Yeah, and yeah. you know, we um, talked uh, previously on the show to Sean K. Reynolds, who was on staff at that time uh, and was the online um, uh, spokesperson for TSR during that switch. And uh, th among the major switches that happened when Wizards of the Coast bought TSR originally was to turn that around 180 degrees and uh, circa 2000, uh, you know, I was extremely excited at the prospect of the OGL permitting people to interface with the D&D &D rules. 
And a large part of you know, what the OGL is, is uh, it's interesting in US copyright law um, that, that's, that's been on many of our minds, I mean, forever, is that US copyright law has a specific clause that among all the content that could be possibly published and written down in, in the entire world, specifically games are not covered by copyright. Right. Game rules are not covered by copyright under US copyright rules. So um, the, the OGL all along has been something of a gentleman's agreement of both sides agree not to contend on what that covers. And many, many people, uh, Monty Cook and Ryan Dancy and a couple days ago, other folks online have pointed out that the overall work of Dungeons and Dragons or a game like that includes characters and places and content and settings and plot and rules and mechanics uh, and things that would traditionally be you know, looked at as a game. And where that boundary is of game versus setting is potentially a quagmire to try to draw the boundary line down. And the OGL law along has been, here is a formal agreement on both sides that we agree specifically what counts as the game that you can use. Um, mm -hmm. And if you if you you know don't use this, then it potentially opens up the theoretical possibility that there's going to be you know cease and desist orders or court actions. So um, here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are again having the same conversation all over again um, in 2023. <laughs> oh. And I I think. Well, something we should cover here, you, you and I should talk about, I think, is um, what what impact this has on uh, OSR and retro clones, right? Because that's such a fascinating, yeah. probably unpredicted use of the OGL when it came out, right? I'm sure that the OGL, as written, was more targeting what we've been talking about, these third parties creating content for the existing game. Um, and then um, my... You know, basically, you had this period in time, right, where where wizards uh, pulled access to all the old books, right? Like they were, they were, there was no way, yes. no legal way yeah. to get PDF or digital versions or of any of the old books, uh, and so folks started using the OGL to reinvent those books, right? And so then, then you have the retro clones appearing, all these these things that like Labyrinth Lord and. Um, uh, uh, Shoot, now I'm forgetting. Nowadays, the, the, delving deeper and delving deeper. Um, swords and wizardry is someone I was trying to come up with yep. there. Um, yep, yep, yep. Right, and, and, uh, and just and many like similar things, right? Right, where right. where basically reinvented um, old editions of the game, rewritten them, backported them via via the OGL. Um, so, what, what happens to those <laughs> if the OGL is gone? What? Are they to still me, covered I feel by like the version of the OGL that came out, they were under or what? Yeah. Well, that, to me, that's the biggest question. To me, that's specifically why I wanted to talk about it. Uh, you know, here on Wandering DMs, where we mostly focus on older stuff. Uh, you know, we've we've talked about fifth edition uh, changes the last couple of months, but up until now, it's been you know mostly academic to mm -hmm. us because mm -hmm. Paul, neither you or I regularly run fifth edition stuff as part of our hobby. Uh, but we do run older school stuff, and uh, it does look like, um, you know, and, and, and my own, you know, I, I've had products uh, that's been, you know, available uh, digitally online, and you cooperated with me on a, a card-based version of this that I call the Book of Spells. 
And you're right, the, the, the foreword uh, to my book of spells has mentioned exactly what you just said. Uh, Wizards did have digital versions of original D&D PDFs available on DriveThruRPG circa 2007, 2008, 2009, if I recall correctly. And then they pulled them off. They pulled them down. They retracted them. And uh, the foreword um, to, to my book here specifically says, uh, when the first edition of uh, this book of spells was published, all the official game books had been retracted from all, all, all online stores. And my, my little book is a teeny tiny little taste of a retrocone, basically, specifically for the magic spells uh, that are available in original D&D. And it uses uh, the open gaming license, version 1.08. And the whole point of this book, <coughs> here it is right here, uh, the whole point of this book that, that I made was basically, the idea initially was supposed to be a one-day project <laughs> that's, that's turned into a 15-year cura curation uh, uh, work. Uh, the original idea was one afternoon to just go and pull all the names from the third edition SRD, uh, clean it up a little bit, and have a cut-down version of the, the very small number of spells that are available in original D&D. So yeah, it, it does occur to me that all of those retro clones and all of those old school, um, and again, this is, you can see links to this on oedgames.com if you want to, among other things. Um, it does seem to me like all those retro clones may be um, on the chopping block as far as uh, Wizards of the Coast is concerned. Um, I, I think that actually is the intent. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. My my understanding of the situation is that actually is the intent, and I I, I think I think potentially it may be the case that uh, that Wizards is intending to just flush every single product that's ever been published on Drive Through RPG to date uh, that's been compatible with D and D mechanics. Seems to look like what they're what they intend to do. It seems like wow. they want. It seems, to my my understanding is it looks like they just want to nuke the entire industry, uh, I mean, down to it, down to the ground state. It seems crazy to me because I, I remember I remember when 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 they pulled those the the, the digital versions of the the older uh, uh, versions of the game, um, and of course you know we should point out that that they put them back. Right, they're back. Mm -hmm, now. They did. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you can now go buy so your your you know PDFs of OD and D or first edition mm -hmm. books or whatever. Um, but it always struck me as the craziest decision to do that because um, you know the those PDFs are pretty easily piratable, and by taking <laughs> away the one and only recourse for legal distribution, you're basically just encouraging everybody to go. Revert, revert to piracy, right? And just saying, well, my only option is piracy. So, okay, guess this, guess this is what we're doing. Um, you, you yeah, know, are they not just I, going back down the same road? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I recently watched a, a, a movie uh, that was set uh, in that, you know, two, early 2000s period of you know, 07, 08, 09, about a totally different subject, specifically high frequency trading in the financial industry. And I had to kind of remind myself that that was a new thing at some point. That there was a point where some people were secretly doing high frequency trading and, and the rest of the world didn't know about it yet. And at least for the first like half hour of the movie, I was like, 
why are people surprised that this is happening? Everybody knows this is <laughs> happening. And I was like, no, that wasn't the case at one point. And Paul, you've made the point in the past that Wizards of the Coast is fundamentally, up until now, selling paper, right? They sell right. paper books. And, yep. you know, we're still in this transition period of maybe paper books are passe or, or becoming passe in, in our current life. Um, but in 07, 08, 09, there was a large amount of confusion around that. Uh, Wizards had stuff online, we can get some money, but no, that's cutting into our paper books and we'll take it down and then we'll, we'll put it back, you know, some number of years later on. And there was a rather large amount of torque <laughs> around mm -hmm. how quickly this, the, the, this issue swung around and different staff members had radically different ideas about it. We should probably look at the specifics. So the, the, uh, we should look at just a little bit of the specific language. Um, it's, and there's one specific thing we've been talking about in the chat while, while you and I have been discussing this, Paul, is the, uh, the original uh, Open Game License 1.0a. Someone has this kind of funny timeline is that there was an OGL 1.0 in 2000. There was 1.0a uh, a couple months later. Um, there it is. Uh, this, I thought yeah. this was very funny being published by Spectre Creations. Uh, I guess I found this on Twitter, being republished by RPGpub.com. Um, and the OGL has always said, uh, as they're quoting there, our open game license, and this is from 2000, uh, will continue to evolve just as it has um, since its inception. I guess that's language from today. But it is baked in the OGL. They can update it. No question about it. And it was originally released in late 2000. And then uh, just about 22 years ago, I think in January of 01, they had 1.0a released. And then it's been stable since then. It has been a constant in the hobby uh, all through uh, third edition and 3.5. And it's existed in, you know, in fourth edition and all through fifth edition up to date. And then here we are at the start of 2023. Um, and uh, they, have, they are sending out an OGL 1.1 uh, and requiring people to sign it, which is pretty funny. Uh, but that that language uh, in uh, since 2001 that's been consistent does say, let me see, can you pull up uh, probably the, that's totally it, thank you. So Paul just pulled mm -hmm. up the start of the open game license that's been existent to date. And I highlighted uh, the part at the bottom section for, uh, it says, uh, in consideration for agreeing to this license, the contributors, which is Wizards of the Coast, the makers of D&D, &D, uh, the contributors grant you a perpetual worldwide royalty-free, non-exclusive license. You know, not just you, everybody can use this uh, with the exact terms of this license to use the open game content, which would be things like the SRD or things specifically marked as open game content. And so uh, many of us have been relying on that world word perpetual, uh, mm -hmm. meaning that this is gonna be in force Forever is how we've read that. Uh, yep. Ryan Dancy, uh, who architected it in the first place and has maintained Open Gaming Foundation a website ever since, has said that was the intent, is this would be forever. Um, and there is uh, uh, language further down. I don't have it on screen. Section 9 later on says, updating a license. Wizards or its designated agents may publish updated versions of this license. Sure, you may use any authorized 
version of this license to copy, modify, and distribute any open game content originally distributed under any version of this license. You may use any authorized version of this license. And there was uh, a fact on Wizards of the Coast for years that said, specifically pointed at that and said, if in the future, uh, the owner of D&D tries to change the terms of the license or tries to retract content that's been released, it will be ineffectual and not have any effect because we wrote right here that you can always use version 1.0 for any content that ever gets released under the open gaming license. And our intent is for it to be perpetual forever. Mm -hmm. um, and Ryan said that, Monty Cook has said that was my understanding and that's why I publish things like this after I left uh, Wizards of the Coast. And so the thing that's changing is that the 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 biggest thing is that the in the leak to the new OGL 1.1, uh, Wizard says OGL 1.0 is no longer authorized. Um, and so that is really where the crux of a disagreement is going to fall is the license says it's perpetual. And I believe that all the lawyers that have commented on this agree that that means that there's no clock on the license. It does, there's no specific time that they planned for it to end. Uh, but what isn't said anywhere in Open OGL 1.0 is it never says whether it's revocable or not. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to be a point of argument about whether that perpetual license that doesn't say it can <coughs> be revoked can be, I guess, well, currently Wizards looks like it's trying to use the phrase no longer authorized. But if that's mm -hmm. the case, if it mm -hmm. can be no longer authorized or effectively revoked, then my understanding is every single OGL work that was ever published for uh, old school or not would be uh, no longer um, distributable. Hmm. There's my common sense reading of those English, those English phrases. Right, right, right. I mean, and of course, like, you know, I immediately wonder, like, how, how are we going to, how is this battle going to lay out, right? Like, until somebody, like, actually tries to publish a thing that Wizards doesn't like, right? You know, a court case has to has to come up, right? Somebody's got to sue somebody for them to get to the point where they're actually in front of a judge arguing over the content of this license. Um, and uh, and I'm very curious, like, if, if they... Are they poking the bear enough? Or is, are you going to see things like, you know, we talked about earlier, some various companies are just... Are just Pulling mm -hmm. content, right? They're just saying, nope. All right. Like, you know, hands up. We, uh, we, we yield and, uh, forget it. We just won't make content for your games anymore. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. And the, you know, the, 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 the thesis all along has been, uh, you know, cause some people have looked at the OGL, I mean, years ago and said, even that is restrictive or sketchy. Why wouldn't I just use that clause in U.S. copyright law that says games are not copyrightable? But I guess people use the phrase chilling effect. Do, do you want to, you know, queue up to take a court case against Hasbro, which is an enormous entity? And, yeah. you know, there, there's very little money in hobby gaming. Um, 
And the, the, the thesis for years and years has been simply nobody has the resources to even conceivably take a court case against uh, Wizards of the Coast. Now, here we are in 2023, and we have already seen a legal letter from one or two companies. It seems like probably now the dam's going to break on that. It probably seems like there's yeah. a large enough industry at this time that it seems to me like it's. I'm going to be personally surprised if this doesn't come to at least one court case. You know, some people are, I, we've seen a, a legal letter, I think, that was leaked, and I'm not going to put it online here, uh, from one or two companies that immediately fired off a legal letter to Watsi Legal last week. Uh, I think this was republished at rpghub.com, um, saying, we demand clarification on this. Uh, it's very clear to us that uh, the original license cannot be revoked. Um, pointing to statements that Wizards had on their, their website for years and saying if we specifically, uh, it said, if we don't hear back with clarification from Wizards within 10 days, we are planning on filing a court case. So there are already, and I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know whether those things are just negotiation tools or not, but it seems like there's people already possibly preparing legal briefs on those issues interesting mm -hmm. and you know one quite here's a question that i have okay so th this is just me dan spitballing here so let's okay. say that if you're gonna if you're gonna have a court case in 2023 over the open gaming license for D, &D i mean why not have a court case over games not being copyrightable if you're gonna if you're gonna start if you're gonna start taking this issue in front of a judge, why not take that issue that we've all been avoiding for years and years that game mechanics <laughs> aren't supposed to be copyrightable in the first place, and uh, just you know crack crack why not argue about that and be even more free than the OGL? Um, and then I suppose you know I could imagine Wizards of the Coast saying. Dungeons and Dragons is not a game, right? And maybe they'll start using some <laughs> other kind of terminology for it, right? It's a yeah. fantasy uh, engagement experience, or maybe it's a, it's a right, it's a fantasy hobby lifestyle, something like. That. Maybe they'll say it's not a game, and yeah. then my my thought is then, and these are a whole this is a whole chain of hypotheticals here, but then maybe uh, some hobbyists would possibly turn to prior versions of the game that are not being updated that are clearly branded as being a game and and mm -hmm. clearly historically cannot be renamed at this time and so potentially this is just me you know thinking maybe people could possibly turn to uh maybe rules for fantastic medieval war games campaigns right clearly that's a game yep and perhaps that would be something that people turn to to have a legal defense under U.S. copyright law. Maybe. I, I feel like my 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 instinct, Dan, is that most lawyers would rather find a uh, clever, solid, specific 
uh, thing to argue their case to win their case rather than open the doors, open the floodgates to like the more generic uh, and more vague arguments like, can you copyright games? And, 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 and this is forefront of my head too, again, because I've been reading Game Wizards and, and I'm, I'm reading some of the accounts of how the court cases between uh, Arneson and Gygax went, right? Um, or Arneson and TSR. And um, this is so fascinating to me. Like they start, there's, so, there's some things where they start picking out like what is a collaborative work and what is collaboration, what counts as collaboration. And, um, and one of the things they ultimately ended up leaning on, I think, is the fact that there's a couple pieces of artwork by Arneson in... Um, you know, in OD and D, I think, right? And so, and right, so there's yeah, yeah. well, clearly, you know, let's not worry about the game mechanics that Arneson invented because that's really freaking hard to prove and very yep. vague. And is it even copyrightable? Yep. No, look, he put art in the book. Great, done. <laughs> it's his art's there. Boom, nailed it. Where <laughs> is that? I think it's. I feel like. Here, I totally okay. So I think so. Here is um, of the three uh, little brown books. Um, here's uh, I'm holding up. Uh, here's the three little brown books that came in that box. Um, and here is the third one uh, titled uh, Volume Three: The Underworld and Wilderness Adventures, which is basically what we would call the DM's guide these days. It's it's the guide for the DMs. Uh, just open that right up, and I'm pretty sure you don't have credits to. I'm pretty sure that's a that's a Hydra drawn by Dave Arneson, I believe. There you go. There you go. And that that made all the difference in that court case. Yeah. 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 So like, you know, yes, we can argue till we're, you know, right? Because it's such an interesting thing, right? Like a lot of people want to know, like, oh, what did Arneson write? Whereas what did Gygax write? And it's generally accepted mm -hmm. that that you know Gygax was a more uh prolific writer, right? Like he did a lot of editing, right? So, you know, did he um you know, <laughs> so, you know, how intrinsic to the collaborative work is the ideas, right? Is that, that from the idea man, as it were, right? And um, I don't know, I, it is a bit of a trope I hear a lot in, in, in video games is uh, especially like this, this naive view of like, well, I have a lot of ideas, I, I could totally get a job in the video game industry. Yeah, and right. the response to that, I usually hear from people in the industry is like, ideas are a dime a dozen. Everyone's got ideas. Don't care. Can you make a thing? <laughs> do, you, do you know how to code? Do you know how to draw? <laughs> right. So yeah, um, and I think anyway. that's in business. I think we. I think like just you know, on the in the online business, we hear that a lot. As we, I mean, maybe not so much today, but I feel like a couple of years ago, it was pretty common to see online someone go, "I've got an idea for an app. All I need to find is an engineer to make it, and we can go 50-50. which is yeah. you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's, That's not, not a 50 50 proposition. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so anyway, that's my, my, my instinct is that no, no lawyer, no lawyer is going to want to say, yeah, let's, let's widen this. Let's blow this out and discuss like whether or not games can be copyrighted. Right. They're going to go, nah, let's look at the very specific publication, this book that's me that we're suing over and let's find a loophole or a, or a, you know, a little gotcha. Like Dave, I, like artisan's artwork that we could argue over instead. Well, I mean, you know, that one I'm gonna I'm gonna respect. I, I can I can see that as an approach, and I'm gonna respectively throw out. I think there is another approach. I think a lawyer could go to Watsy and say, "Look, here's two options. You could refine. Uh, you you could you could just say that the original OGL is not deauthorized <laughs> uh, for old works, or 
we're going to destroy this entire scheme, right? Or we're going to, we are going to make this a larger issue that, yeah. to your detriment. And we're going to attempt to crack open the entire game mechanics for, for all time, for everything. Hmm. Um, and maybe that might be a negotiation tactic of, you know, wizards, do you really want to uh, be discovered that you could, you couldn't have licensed this stuff all along? I guess that's, I guess I guess maybe that's the maybe that's the 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 um, the, the hydrogen bomb strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, all speculation, of course. At this point, some somebody's got got to be angry enough or have a, you know. We got to see some action, right? Somebody maybe Wizards tries to force something off the market that is currently profitable, and somebody will complain about that, and and uh, the gloves will come off. It, it 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 looks at this this uh, this one legal letter I saw you know is, is clearly looking you know proactively looking for clarification, or they're going to um, you know they're they're claiming that uh, litigation is is coming, um, is what I've seen. Um, the the other you know I, 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 we're not touching so much on you know what the new OGL looks like, but everybody agrees it's very restrictive. Um, it uh let me see it it has a commercial versus non-commercial version um what else it's uh it's not for free fan content uh, it's only for uh you know financially viable publishers they have a separate fan content policy which in some ways is i guess even more restrictive people say uh the ogl 1.1 everyone using it has to register with watsi that was not the case with the old one everyone has to register license and perpetually report sales figures uh, to Watsi. Um, uh, let me see, if you have royalties over $750,000, which I believe there's less than 20 companies in the world that do this, uh, then you have to pay a 25% royalty on all sales to Wizards, which to my mind seems really hefty uh, for a company. Um, they're specifically tied into Kickstarter, if you use Kickstarter for your funding, then you get a five percent rebate on that royalty structure. Um, the the and as someone I think William earlier on pointed out, the fact that the head of Kickstarter has confirmed that is additional confirmation that all this is actually happening. Um, and uh, I guess that the supposedly the documents that went out to people to sign this say you must sign this by January thirteenth. Uh, or I guess you can't publish anything. So that is this coming week is the supposed deadline for when I guess the larger publishers are expected to sign on to this uh, OGL 1.1. And I suppose, and the documents also say this. So I, I guess this is published on the site IO9. The documents from Wizards emphasize twice. It says the open game license was always intended to allow the community to help grow D&D and expand it creatively. It was not intended to subsidize major competitors, especially now that the PDF is by far the most common form of distribution. And they repeat, the OGL was not intended to fund major competitors. It was not intended to allow people to make D&D apps or videos or anything other than printed or, un or printable materials for use while gaming. We are updating the OGL in part to make that very clear. So the OGL was not intended to permit people to make videos like 
that's not video games. Um, mm. Like, I guess this. <laughs> I guess potentially what you're watching right this second. Uh, Wizards is currently claiming is not supported. And their interpretation, yeah. That's that's supposedly this documents. You're right. They are mad about videos of the Grongler. Um, and then some people have actually uh you know going, what's the situation with critical role? And right. I, I, I would, believe I would critical video is more targeting actual play stuff like critical role, right? Surely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a it's a it's a very aggressive step. It's it's clearly a very aggressive step by by Wizards, and it's clearly uh, different than what everybody that actually created the original OGL intended and said all along, and continues to say today. That is totally the opposite of what we've understood for twenty plus years. Fascinating. No, for what it's worth, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, if you sell something, I know you're you were talking about. Uh, I can't remember where this came up. The 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 the, the license, the amount, uh, the the twenty five percent, right? Um, if you sell something in DMs Guild today, uh, you only get to keep fifty percent. They take okay. they take okay. half. They take half. Okay. Um, now I I always. Thought I'm trying to trying to dig this up now and not finding it, but I always thought that that was because actually part of it went part of that fifty percent that they keep mm -hmm. goes to wizards and part goes to I thought um, one bookshelf, which I think is runs the, the site. Makes sense. Makes sense. Is it a one bookshelf site? I think it is. Anyway, I think you're um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I can't remember exactly how that fifty percent gets split between them, but there you go. It's definitely, right. it was definitely a, a major concern of like the question of do I publish on Drive Through mm -hmm. RPG without you know without licensed stuff, or do I use licensed stuff and go right onto DMs Guild? And one of mm -hmm. the big factors there is the is the difference because I think if you publish on Drive Through, uh, what do they take? Like uh, I think you get seventy percent. Is that right? Something. Like that. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. so yeah. <laughs> now you could always put, you know, hypothetically, you could make something uh, with the OGL and put it on your own personal website and sell it yourself, and you would get a hundred percent. Then you know, everybody, and now everybody always agreed that uh, selling on Drive Through RPG, it, you know, did it, again. There were other options at one point, but it be very quickly became uh, the central hub for all you know gaming PDF type stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and if they take a 30% cut like that, the addition, you're right, Paul, the addition of uh, uh, DMs Guild was, I, I assume, probably an additional 20% or whatever going specifically to Wizards. Um, yeah. But oh, oh, the, 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 to be clear, the OGL itself uh, was entirely open and free and didn't have any kind of registration requirement um, or, or licensing fee to Wizards ever. So this is a... A big, big thing. Now they've always had some other license, right? When when third edition originally came out, they had the D twenty license, so which allowed you to use the D twenty trademark and specifically say we are compatible with Dungeons and Dragons, which was different. Um, and then in the fourth edition era, very similar to what we're seeing today, um, and we could dig up the receipts for this. When fourth edition was was incented. 
initially, their lawyers were saying, we're going to make an OGL 1.1 and we're going to retract OGL 1.0A. There was a very early day where they absolutely said this same thing. And it was, I guess a couple of people communicated with them, the attorneys at Wizards of the Coast, and pretty quickly they shifted off that argument and they said, we're going to, no, we're not going to update the OGL. We're going to have a different structure called the, the general system license, the GSL that you have to register for and you, it's more restrictive and all this kind of stuff. But they, they very quickly stepped away from thinking that they could retract the original OGL, even though they thought so to begin with. And then fifth edition came out and embraced the original OGL again. And then here we are repeating the cycle again. Uh, and clearly they, they seem to be hanging their hat on this word authorized license um, and claiming that they can make the original license no longer authorized. But they totally, there was a very brief window right at the start of fourth edition where they were saying the exact same thing at Wizards Legal that they could they could retract the original OGL and then they were persuaded otherwise. Then hmm. my, my head is just spinning now with this notion <coughs> that that by baking in a payment structure and, and, and a requirement for, for uh, auditing into the OGL um, that's that I mean, you're you're right that like now that the person who like makes their own thing and doesn't even put it on any of the big sites and it's just like it's on my website and I'm I get 100 percent of the profits. That person now has to invent their own auditing system and send what checks where they are write a check to Wizards of the Coast. Off they go. The the, the what and what my head is spinning over, frankly, is the flip side. Like, how much accounting work is Wizards inventing for themselves here? Like that's insane! Holy cow! <laughs> you know they're gonna have, well, to, that's a good have point. to staff up their accounting department for this shit. That's crazy. <laughs> well, that's a good point. Uh, they, I, I think the, the the I mean that that I that you might say that's the perspective of we're we're used to a very large ecosystem of many people using the OGL. I think the other the other possibility is that Wizards just doesn't think many people are going to be using this. They, they're on right. record as saying less than, their belief is that less than 20 companies worldwide <laughs> are in the tier that would require royalty payments. Um, okay. And they've, they, again, they've highlighted again and again, this was not intended for major competitors to us. They don't want that. And it might be their, and, and also that the OGL is specifically for people making money at this, right? Which is not how it's entirely been used all along. Um, so their intent might be that there might be a much smaller number of people using this than we're accustomed to with the original OGL. And their current argument is that that was the intention all along, despite what the actual original writers of the OGL said. Yeah, but, yeah, I could see. I could see basically relying on the the the, the license to be restrictive and scary enough that you're just right. going to scare away those those mm -hmm. users, right? Gotta, right. Yep. I right. See that. Right. Oh my goodness! Fascinating. Well, I and I, um that date of the thirteenth, I didn't realize there was a ticking clock over this thing. Yep. Oh boy. Yep. Oh yep. boy. <laughs> Again, just week. for. 
Yeah, just for the people that they've, you know, communicated with, I believe my understanding is just the large publishers that they've, mm -hmm. they've put this license in, but I, yeah, that's, that is happening. But before the next Wandering DM show next Sunday, um, supposedly that will have uh, been decided, I guess, for a number of people, yay or nay. Wow. Well, well, I, I, uh, watch, I'll watch, uh, with great anticipation, I suppose, to see, uh, see what pans out. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I'll throw another thing out there. So many, so many huge issues all of a sudden, uh, such, such a, such, such an adventure we're going to be on in the next year, uh, to see how this shakes out, uh, and whether, um, whether this becomes a, a industry massacre or not. Um, mm -hmm. you know, someone made the point of, um, you know, let's say hypothetically that you just start going off brand and you're not relying on the OGL and you make a little product and you just don't use any license. Um, and someone made the point that, um, you know, wizards may not actually need to get you onto the new license. All they need to do is deplatform you. And Wizards, you know, through DMs Guild has uh, very tight ties with uh, Drive-Thru RPG and uh, clearly has an arrangement now with Kickstarter. And hypothetically, if Wizards convince those two companies to refuse to host uh, mm -hmm. projects that, uh, that used anything other than the OGL 1.1, then you wouldn't, in the current state of affairs, you wouldn't really have any effective place to go anymore. Now, mm -hmm. the, um, the, the head of Kickstarter has gone on record, I believe, and said, we don't intend to do that. Uh, we, we tried to get in there and we, uh, we saw this was coming and we negotiated a bit of a rebate for our customers um, on Kickstarter, but we don't currently intend to actually enforce Wizards licensing one way or the other on our platform. So, but that's, that's, that's a question about uh, whether, um, whether drive-through RPG or Kickstarter will actually be available for, for anyone that doesn't use these particular license as I could, I could imagine that being an issue. Mm. Mm. It's at least, at least it's, it's at least a risk at this point, I think. Fascinating. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's, there's, uh, I'm noticing in the, in the chat now, there's some, some, uh, you know, comments about, about, you know, building their own, are they going to build their own services, right? Are they gonna, are they gonna replace all this stuff and just, right? Like, I mean, we, 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 I see them going, they're, go, they're clearly going after the virtual tabletop market, right? We know they're doing that with the mm -hmm. new addition to the yep. game. How much, how much software development does Wizards of the Coast want to get into? And at what point do they have? You know, actually, it doesn't Hasbro. Uh, another thing about Hasbro has their own crowdfunding site, right? That's that's oh, what. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what oh, really? uh, the reprint of um, of um, is it request I think used. Yeah, Hasbro oh, has their own. Yeah, right. Oh, crowdfund. geez, that's coming back to me. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yep, Haslab, I think as it's called, maybe something like that. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Wow. Uh, yeah, so cool. <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, with all these hires from Microsoft and et cetera, maybe their their goal is to invent their own ecosystem and, and they can have total control. It, 
it looks like that's the intent. I mean, when they say insufficiently monetized, right? And you say like, what parts of this, you know, industry are we interested in, um, you know, taking control of? You know, the answer might be all of it. <laughs> the, the, the virtual tabletop from Roll Twenty should have been ours, and uh, you know, Beyond D and D should have been ours, and now it is actually. And Drive Through RPG should have been ours, and Kickstarter should have been ours. Um, and <laughs> they they might be, you know, they might be shooting at the top at the top ring and saying, "Let's see if we can't just do a clean sweep and just pull everything in house." And then it would be sufficiently monetized, maybe. Maybe that's the intent. I'm no businessman. I have not done a good job <laughs> of being an entrepreneur at all. So, uh, you know, potentially what Wizards to do is just look at everything that I've ever had to try to do for a financially uh, profitable project and just do the opposite. I mean, that could be a business. <laughs> we're we're going to use Dan as an oracle. <laughs> <laughs> and just negate every movie you would ever make. So, you oh, know, geez. my instincts may not be reliable. <laughs> yeah, we have just a couple minutes left here. Do you have any, any final thoughts on the OGL to share? I think that this is a, uh, you know, th this has been something that's been dependable for an entire generation at this point, 23 years. Uh, everybody that uh, created it, uh, Ryan Dancy, Monty Cook, you know, Wizards of the Coast website for years and years and years said that this was uh, not revocable and something that was dependable. We went through the fourth edition era where there was a, there was a threat to revoke it, um, and that was pulled. Um, if this uh, if if the original OGL goes away, uh, I hope I'm not too much of a Cassandra, but I, it does it does seem like they're trying to just nuke the entirety of the hobby gaming industry. Uh, especially uh, off-brand, old-school uh, game systems. And I think it's a very, it seems to me like a very perilous time. Uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm my, my own ox is being gored on this one because I have personally had stuff perpetually distributed for, you know, going on about two decades using that, that license. Um, and it's going to be very, I'm very, you know, eager to have this clarified one way or the other and see where this works out for old school gaming, hobby publishing, small creators, video creators, critical role. Um, uh, it seems like the entire ecosystem does seem to be at risk at the moment. Interesting. I think uh, for me, um, the, the, the scope of, of what, what could be lost is so vast that um I, I i have trouble imagining wizards actually being able to pull it off without shooting themselves in the foot in some way right i feel like like there's a high potential that if wizards does go for all the things that we're imagining that they uh will stumble and open a door for some you know competitor or some something else to step in the gap and and that's and we'll see the end of their reign as uh, as the eight hundred pound gorilla in the TTRPG space, and it seems like there's something about <laughs> this whole issue that forces them to go through boom and bust cycles. It's it's like it's like an, yeah. an economy that just continually goes through a boom and a bust cycle, and uh, and it's all and it's and it's almost like they have an even numbered curse, right? <laughs> Second edition era, 
was was hellaciously uh, litigious online. Third edition opened it up with the OpenGL that's been very consistent and stable and grew the hobby tremendously. Fourth edition tried to retract it. And frankly, that was a disaster for Wizards of the Coast. That was the one era when Pathfinder was actually outselling Dungeons and Dragons. Fifth edition opened it up again. And here we are on the cusp of what I would think would be sixth edition. And they're trying to do it again. And if they, you know, want to go right back to the the fourth edition era, they couldn't be. They're doing all the exactly the same comments, and they could not have. A, they could not have made a plan that was more like that if they tried. So I I, I agree, Paul. Uh, it's it's going to be messy one way or the other. Uh, viewers, if you have some thoughts on this topic to share, uh, you have one week to prognosticate. Uh, is because uh, this Friday the 13th, I guess, is when paperwork is supposed to be signed. So get your comments in. Please, uh, you know, leave some comments here on the on the YouTube video for us. Tell us uh, which which direction you think this is going to go, and uh, we'll all watch with bated breath. <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, remember, if you're new to the channel, you can like, follow, subscribe to us. We are on a uh, number of uh, social media platforms that we hope will continue to be around for a while. Uh, and currently, that's things like YouTube and uh, Twitch and Twitter and Facebook and GitHub and TikTok. And, you know, maybe those all exist next week or not. So you know, just follow us on all of them and we'll find one of them. Um, uh, you know, yeah. follow us on our on our own website. It might be the most dependable one. WanderingDMs.com will always be there. Um, uh, and uh, we do have the handle WanderingDMs on all the social media sites. So follow us and you'll get uh, updates on upcoming shows. Yep. Speaking of our website, uh, if you prefer to listen to our show in audio-only podcast format, uh, those podcasts are also available on our website at WanderingDMs.com. Uh, you can also find our podcast through various carriers like iTunes and Spotify and Google Podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this show right now on one of those third-party carriers, uh, I suggest you sue them for breach of the Wandering DMs uh, open <laughs> podcasting license. No, no, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> if you are listening to... <laughs> All right, broke down. Uh, if you're listening to this show right now on one of those podcasts, Gary, take a moment to rate and review our show on their site. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it. We, we, we totally do. And uh, as usual, you know, the biggest thing that helps us out at Wandering DMs here is our wonderful, wonderful patrons who always support the show. If you'd like to join them, uh, please visit at patreon.com slash wanderingdms, and you'll see our different tiers and services. And like Paul said at the top of the show, among our favorite benefits is our Discord server, where we have continuing conversation on these issues. And so many you know, news items have been thrown up in the last couple of days that I wouldn't know about if our patrons uh, weren't posting them to our Discord, Discord server and talking about them there. And our live after chat that we'll hold in about 10 minutes uh, live video to continue this conversation. I bet you've got some ideas um, that we didn't pick up in the chat today and we would love to hear about them and what your thoughts are for uh, the OGL and old school gaming uh, going forward in 2023. Uh, so we have, we're looking forward to this season, right, Paul? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. It should be a good season. Yeah. 
So we have all kinds of exciting things that we're looking forward to doing uh, this year and more uh, dungeon design dashes um, under some sort of licensing agreement, I hope, uh, <laughs> and published somewhere. And uh, our customary schedule, if you're new, is that we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time here um, at Wondering DM. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.